0: This is Elise Hansen, and you're listening to New Fashioned on Market Scale. Hi, I'm Elise Hansen, and this is my first episode of the new B2B podcast, New Fashioned, where we're going to be talking about industry trends across all verticals, new initiatives, bringing people on to talk about the different aspects of the different markets and this episode is going to revolve around International Women's Day. We're going to talk to Debbie Scanlon about the importance of feeling confident enough for as women to enter a male dominated workforce and how to navigate that with remaining professional and staying true to who you are.
1: Incredible. That's fantastic. Uh, I am helping Elise co-host today. I'm Ben Thomas, excited to be here. This is the first episode of a show that's going to take over the world. I hope. It is. I'm excited about it, Debbie. I'm looking forward to Debbie. I think she's going to give us some great insights on uh, just kind of how she rose up.
0: Debbie is a a queen. Debbie kills it in her profession. I've known her for four years, and I've learned a lot from her. And I've only met her in person one time, and that's how much I really believe in her. And I think that she really is an industry leader, and she's a thought leader. She believes in what she's doing. She's passionate about it, and you know, that will take you very far in any, in any industry.
1: It will. You mentioned that last weekend was, uh, international women's day last Friday. What did you, what did you do to
0: celebrate? What did I do to celebrate? I wore an international women's day shirt at market scale that they made for us. They fed us sushi. That was really special. Um, and then I went to happy hour with my girlfriends. We had margaritas, we had chips and salsa, and then Um, went home to my dog Lennon and watched a a nice old chick flick.
1: That sounds, that sounds like a good, that sounds like a good time. It is. I'll tell you what, what else happened over the weekend. Uh, several more shows were canceled. Trade shows due to coronavirus. Yeah. This thing is getting out of hand. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Travel restrictions, show cancellations. It really is. It's putting a dent on every B2B industry you could possibly think of.
0: It is. And that, that's money that you can't get back. When, when a trade show cancels, that's, I mean, think about what you're spending, the the flights, the hotels, the um, just the booth in general, that's incredibly expensive for three days. And then you can't get that back because it's not an investment. You're renting it. You're not owning it. So that's just money down the drain um, that you should have put into, you know, building your own channels and creating really meaningful content that's going to drive, you know, new sales by showing how different you are and and why you know, other, other brands would wanna work with you. And, and really, it's about content creation. And if you're not doing that, then I don't know what you're doing. You're not winning, that's You're, not, you're <laughs> not winning, that's fair.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because we've seen the demand for the digital trade show rise pretty substantially over the last month. Because yeah. this isn't the first show to be canceled. You've got things like Mobile World Congress that was canceled last month. You've got potentially South by Southwest, one of the biggest shows in, the, in America being canceled in Austin which is not currently at all really being affected by that uh, outbreak it's just it's insane to see but companies may should have seen this coming a little bit and maybe done a little bit better job on and the front end of in, it. of investing in kind of owned content and product releases
0: I mean absolutely because when you're putting all of your eggs in one basket or you know most of your eggs in one basket there are factors that with trade shows and with a lot of rented you know media and advertising that you can't control, and it's out of your control. And when, when you lose so much from something that you really have no power over, it's it's unfortunate because you know you're doing not only your company and your brand a disservice, but also your customers. Because really, what it comes down to is if you're investing in your company, you are putting out meaningful content, you're creating your your thought leadership where you are a really an industry leader. You you know you're explaining the narrative of why you are different from your competition and you're really you know it's it's very much you have to really just you have, be- to,
1: you have to own your <laughs> yeah. own narrative right I, and and I'm a guy that absolutely loves trade shows I love going to trade shows seeing old friends I, mean, they're fun. I love them but at the end of the day you're right i mean you you're have fully to have dependent more than that. you're fully dependent on something not happening yeah and it's it's You know, I mean, billions of dollars in business is done at trade shows every year. And I feel like, you know, even planning to do your own virtual trade show, I I don't don't know that virtual trade show is the right answer, but at least some form of live conference or interactive kind of exhibit or something like that proactively each year is like something that you should be doing anyway. So this this almost shouldn't be affecting that many people.
0: Yeah, because, you know, when you think about it, everyone is scrambling right now trying to figure out, what they're going to do because they really companies base their their sales projections on these trade shows and when they don't have that inflow coming in their sales are going to drop they're gonna hurt from this and so the importance of really putting your own content out onto your channels and driving sales that way and not just being dependent only on trade shows is so important and this is a prime example of that Um, it just goes to show how investing in yourself and in your brand is going to help you win, and you know if you have set yourself up right here, where you have you're publishing things regularly on your own channels, on social media, on LinkedIn, on you know backlinking from other websites. Like if you've done that, then you shouldn't be worried right now. But you know everyone that companies that are putting all of their eggs in one basket as far as trade shows go, or you know just paid advertising. I think yeah, they're they're probably a little worried.
1: No, I hear you. We're not even we're not even mentioning the amount of Print ads that have been purchased and Ugh. ad space, and you know.
0: When's the last time you clicked on a banner ad?
1: For a trade <laughs> show, well, at a trade just show, just in general, I don't shoot. I don't know. Yeah, never. But specifically, I don't know that I've ever clicked on a trade show one. And like I said, I love trade shows, but I don't know that I've ever clicked on a trade show ad. With that being said, hopefully, we can brighten the day up a little bit more and not talk about coronavirus. We have a guest.
0: <laughs> yes, we do, and she's a very special one. I'm honored to have Debbie Scanlon on today to talk about, you know, International Women's Day and the importance of having successful women in a male-dominated industry. Um, It's very, she's been a role model to me for several years. We've worked together for, you know, four, I think it's been four years now, Debbie. Worked together for four years. Um, You know, I look up to her. She is very successful in her accounting and financial role at BKD, and um, I'm excited to Talk to you about everything. So, tell me a little bit about your background, where you went to school, why you got into, you know, accounting and finance and how you ended up at BKD.
2: Absolutely. I I actually started out in Missouri. I went to Northwest Missouri State University, graduated there with a degree in accounting. I kind of always knew that accounting was something I was good at, and so that was the direction I went. And ended up going into public accounting just because many of the professors said that was really the best way to start your career in accounting and really get a lot of experiences when you were still pretty young. So I ended up interviewing with multiple firms and BKD was the one I ended up choosing. They they were a solid middle market type CPA firm that felt like they would give me just a ton of opportunity if I really wanted to go get it. And so I went to their Kansas City office and kick off my career and that's kind of how I got started. I've been with the firm now almost 30 years.
0: That's amazing. It's such a long time to be at one place and, you know, it really speaks volumes about the kind of company that it is and the culture that they have, how they value and treat their employees. Um, I know you're really happy there and I, I love that for you. So first of all, just can you explain from your experience how you have seen more women moving into this field in, in recent years? you know, from when you started, where it was in the past, how, you know, that was kind of intimidating to come into this field as a, as a woman in a male dominated industry versus where it is now?
2: Sure. I, I think, you know, back when I first started in, I I think maybe it was maybe swayed more towards more men were coming into the public accounting world than, Mm -hmm. than women, but it wasn't by much, quite honestly, it's if you think about it through my whole career, I, my guess is it's been around 50% as a, as what male and female coming into the public accounting realm. And then the real question has been over all these years is, okay, well, then when you go to look at the leadership of, of these firms in this industry, do you see you don't see that same percentage. So then the right. question is asked is what, what's happening to those women from the time we all walk into the door at about the same time, but yet we're not getting into the C-suite, if you will. And, and really trying to answer that question on, on how do we see more women get to the top?
0: Yeah. So what, what do you feel like has kind of helped you get to the top? Cause you're, you know, you're very successful at, within BKD, within the accounting and CPA world. Um, What do you think really got you there? And what do you want to tell other women just for, you know, advice for how they can really progress their career and shoot for that, you know, C-suite level within their own companies?
2: Sure. I I think it's kind of different. Probably how I did it is uh, how I hope many women don't have to keep doing it. That's the whole reason I like (laughs) to, to try to blaze the trail, if you will, for other women to follow in a different manner, because... Somewhat, you know, back when I early, started early, you kind of just watch and learn, it, uh, you know, how do we do business? How do you behave? And of course, if you're a male, do- it's a male dominated industry, you're going to start to emulate the men that are at the top. You're going to be like, okay, I have to act like that. I have to walk like that. I have to talk like that. And so you start to try to take on traits to kind of behave as a male to try to get yourself forward. And over the years, what I kind of started to learn. Is you know that's not natural on me. That wasn't the best way for me. I even though I was pushing forward that way, and so then I started to kind of change and say, well, I'm going to try to figure out how to fit my female personality and the way I do things as a female into our company. And as you can imagine, that rocked a lot of boats for a long time. I was you know probably known teased with people that. Uh, PTO for me probably meant partner time out more than it meant paid time off. And <laughs> I just, you know, I just kind of really wanted to say I, do, I wanted to figure out how to do it my way and not have to act and behave like a man in order to become successful in our company. And I think that ultimately is what I would recommend anybody do is to say I didn't, you know rocked the boat so much that it was hurting my career. But I also said, I I want you to recognize me as a woman. I am a woman and I think differently and I look at things differently. Yes, I have emotions and yes, they come along with me and try to help our company learn how to accept and work with that female personality rather than me trying to behave like the man that was above me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's That's a really good point. And I think, you know, just being yourself and um, proving your value and you know standing your ground is a very good takeaway for for anyone that's you know trying to progress their career or um, you know even if they're just starting out just to find a company and land somewhere where you know that you'll be valued and accepted for you know just exactly who you are. Um, so, Agreed. at what point in your career did you realize that you kind of wanted to advocate for this and you wanted to um, just like like you just said start you know really being yourself and taking advantage and utilizing all of the qualities that you bring to the table.
2: You know, it's funny that we asked that. I actually remember the exact moment in my career that it turned when it happened because I was in our Kansas City office at the time And I had I was a supervisor, and I kind of looked around. I was in the audit side of our of our business in Kansas City, and I looked around and realized there were really there were no females ahead of me. There there was no one between me and there. It was all men between my supervisor level and my partner level. And in fact, at that time, there had never even been a female audit partner in that office uh, up to that point. And I'm looking around thinking, yes, and I did have some great role models and mentors and and the men partners. So don't, I don't want you to take that the wrong way, but I looked around thinking, gosh, there's no one I can talk to. I'm newly married. I have young children. My we're a dual working family, dual income family. And I just saw nobody that was giving any or any women that were kind of doing that. So I felt really kind of alone and not sure how to navigate that, that landscape, if you will. So I kind of reached out to my leadership and said, you know, I I feel like we need to give women more support. I need more support quite honestly and I can't be the only woman here at our firm that needs that support. And so at that time, I kind of asked, started asking if I could put together, I guess now people refer to them as affinity groups, but at the time I just said, can we get women together that are kind of around the same level where we can talk to each other and lean on each other and help each other be successful? And, and give each other, you know, tricks of the trade and, and, and help one another. And so I think that was probably the point when I realized that how much women needed assistance and, and needed to figure out how to make that path and to hear it from another woman is a heck of a lot more helpful than than it was to just hear it from the male side only.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, that's amazing that you started that, you know, and I know that that can be hard and, and intimidating, especially when, you know, like you said, you were the first woman was it partner in Kansas City, or what What were you the first? Yes.
2: I was a supervisor at the time, and, and yes, and I made partner at the time when I transferred to Texas, because I'm in Houston, Texas now. But it, at the time, there were just no women that had come into that trail. Now, there were on the tax side, but there wasn't on the audit side. So
0: That shows your charisma and just who you are as a, as a woman and as a leader, too. You know, you really have paved the way for a lot of women, not only at BKD, not only Within the accounting and, and audit world, but just all over. I think that that it's a it's a snowball effect, right? You know, it's it's compounding one thing after another, and it's really pushed forward. And um, you know, I'm sure that the generations now are are feeling it, and they feel supported. You know, not it's directly because of you and you know what you've done, and other women in your position that are doing the same thing and standing up for you know the value that that they're worth. So that's absolutely. Yeah, that's really great. Um, has there been, you know, one person or a few people that's really helped push you forward the, with these initiatives and, you know, like a role model or mentor, um, someone that just supported you through all of this?
2: Oh, of course. I uh, you, I don't think anybody can get to a leadership role or to the C-suite without having some sort of mentorship and sponsorship all the, all the way there. And I, I had an amazing male partner in our Kansas City office that really pushed me beyond you know to be my best he would push me where i would think i, I you know i can't handle it it's, it's too much for me and but he always knew that i could step up to the plate mm-hmm. and and he was really good to talk to when i would hit those you know whether it was I was being emotional about something and, and I was trying to, he would help me do checks and balances, if you will, to make sure okay, is, it, is this emotion appropriate at the time I'm having it or, or should I kind of take another tack? But he really guided me. He brought me into situations that other people didn't. And I mean, to make sure that I was always growing and always learning. And he really taught me how to be that kind of leader where you grab your the people at work for you, you grab their hands and you bring them forward with you. And and really, your whole focus is on, yes, I want to be successful, but the real goal is how successful can you make everyone that works for you? And if you can turn around and say, wow, look at all those amazing people that are in our company, and I had a little something to do with that, where they are today in their careers, and that really, for me and for my mentor, is what defines our success here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think having a mentor that can challenge you and push you um, in a way that really makes you grow and makes you, you know, do a little self-reflecting and, I think that that's absolutely incredible, and everyone needs someone like that. um, You know, as it might change through the stages of your life and through different, you know, companies that you're working it working at. Um, But that's a necessity, and I think that, you know, that's a huge part of of why you are where you are today is because you did have that support when when you really needed it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, what do you see for the future? Of women in accounting and, and the finance profession in general, uh, maybe as a whole, and then also, you know, moving into those C-suite and and leadership roles. How do you see that you know playing out in the next few years, um, or several years?
2: Well, I I see I see it's going to continue to change. You know, our firm about five years ago started our women's initiative called Sky Bkd Sky. And part of that, you know, there's been so much learning from that. And a lot of it has been just pure education. And one of the things that we brought up and really started to learn with all of our people was this concept of unconscious bias. And I think that as we see, I read lots of articles, and you, you've probably seen it as well, right? There's articles and podcasts and, mm-hmm. and all, everything you can think of about women in business. So it's being talked about all across the board and all across all industries where there's male-dominated leadership. So the conversation's happening. So then, okay, well, then how are we going to move the needle? Well, we're trying to move the needle by educating to say that this unconscious bias, which is kind of a natural programming all of us have, male, female alike, has probably had a pretty big hand in driving how our male-dominated leadership is grooming and bringing people up to the top ranks. And not necessarily is it, you know, it's unconscious. Obviously, they're not doing it on purpose. It's just kind of how it works. And so trying to break that barrier to say, let's make people aware that we all have unconscious biases whether it's towards gender whether it's towards ethnicity etc and if we're going to be more inclusive in our leadership then we have to learn how to deal with that unconscious bias and call ourselves out when when it's starting to to come into play to ensure that we're not we're not making decisions and promotions and and who we're grooming based purely on our unconscious bias letting it drive what we're making what decisions we're making Absolutely.
0: That's. I think that's a really great thing, and um, it's really great that BKD created that BKD Sky Group, where you know you really do dive deep into um, how to really push through those challenges and how to overcome them, and not only make your employees better, but also make the company better and and make the profession better. Also, in in the within all that that they're doing um, those initiatives, I think that's really great and something that other companies should strive to do if they're not doing it already. Um, Let's see, Debbie, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or anything that you wanted to touch on that we missed, like that I didn't ask a question around or something that you wanted to say that we missed so far?
2: I think the big, uh, the other thing maybe it's a good point to point out is really talking about sponsorship. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about mentorship uh-huh. and having those people that kind of mentor. So there's probably a couple of things. The first is sponsorship. The other thing would be the personal board of directors. If I think back to really what's helped me be successful, what's mm-hmm. helped, you know, pick me up when I've fallen down on the way, etc. and sponsorship. Is, is so different from mentorship because all of us women need a sponsor that's in the room behind closed doors mm-hmm. speaking on our behalf when we can't be there to speak on our own behalf. And making sure that as instead of, you know, waiting around for somebody to go, hey, here I am knocking on my door, I'm going to be your sponsor, is is we need to be looking out for people within our own companies that we feel could sponsor us and reach out to them and say, I need the sponsorship. This is where I want to go with my career. Would you help me get there? And I think that's really important for women to take more of an aggressive step towards making sure that if they have goals, That they want to move to the C suite, then you need to be asking the right people and asking the right questions to get you there. So that would probably be the first thing I might throw out there. Okay, and, and to that point is is really building. A personal board of directors with lots with various people that have various perspectives, not just those in your company, but those in your community, friends that maybe you're with. Like, I do a lot of banking organization type events, and I have some really good friends in the banking industry that don't have anything to do with public accounting. And I have some of those individuals that have been very influential in my career on my personal board of directors, of course, who I would consider my sponsor, you know, my current chief operating officer has been a sponsor of me all my career. And so he's on my personal board of directors. And I think women need to make sure that they're building this personal board of directors, that that group of people they can go to that continue to help them, challenge them and help groom them for where they want to be, will be one way to help women be really, really successful. So instead of just waiting around for others to kind of blaze these trails, we need to use these groups to help blaze our own trails until there's enough of them to where women don't, aren't intimidated by all of it anymore.
0: Very, very well said. I could not have said it better. Um, so on your, your own personal board of directors, do you, what's the balance between coworkers and, you know, people outside of BKD or outside of your profession, you know, as far as like that support group that you have? How do you, what's the balance of that?
2: Well, it kind of it changes actually over your career. I, you know, is what kind of board you need when you're a a manager at, at your company is going to look a lot different than if you're the CFO of the company. So right. it, the balance is kind of a little of it's probably about fifty fifty, where fifty percent are coming from inside the company, but fifty percent are coming from outside of that company, either through you know just really influential friends that we hang out with, or uh, it, I work with not not for profits, whether it's somebody from your church, just, just any kind of as a group that you think, okay, right now where I am in my life and in my career, I feel like this is the kind of board that I need to kind of get me through this period of my life. And then a few years from now, I may adjust that because I'm, I'm wanting something different as I start to move towards retirement, right? my My board of directors is going to change and start to look a little different. So that's you kind of want to make it really fluid so that it's, so that it's feeding and helping you in the time and the moment that you need it.
0: Yeah. Having that nice balance is definitely um, important. Debbie, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today and um, really giving your thought leadership and telling us exactly how you got to where you are and, you know, giving us advice. I think that that is not only helpful for me, but for all those, these listeners um, to really be able to come into our own and, and branch out into whatever career path we may be on. Um, that is a wrap on our first show. I'm, I'm excited. I was a little nervous during it, you know, first show. But Great th- first show. Yeah. Never thought I'd be doing a podcast in B2B instead of, you know, like true crime or anything else. So. Hey,
1: one of these days we'll do an episode on true crime in B2B. Uh, absolutely. It'll be, it'll be like us breaking down the Enron scandal absolutely. or something like that. Absolutely.
0: I think that we need to do that and maybe a, a blooper reel like the office style because (laughs) there will be plenty of those it's very difficult to do a live blooper
1: reel but we'll try (laughs) no but
0: you know we can make it work I I mess up a lot so it'll be good
1: well thanks for having me on the first show I appreciate it of
0: course thanks for being on it
1: yeah absolutely Uh, next time I'm going to be a listener that's for sure if I'm not in the studio I'll definitely listen
0: well I would hope so but um, yeah looking forward to to the next episode TBD on who the guest is but it's going to be good